Hello, hello, hello. This is the 50th episode of the Mental Threads podcast and a very special, special episode. I am right now interviewing Dr. Anthony Nelson of the Business School. If you'd like to say something, sir. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Good to be here and uh, look forward to the interview. Yes, yes, yeah. I've known uh, Dr. Anthony Nelson since 2018, actually. Funny thing is we were both coming into this school at the same time. He was a new dean and I was a new student here um, within the business school and everything. And might I ask you, sir, uh, for your experiences at NCCU, I know this isn't the first school you pretty much uh, was the dean of. Uh, How was your experiences with uh, NCCU so far? Uh, So far, so good. It's been great, even though we went through COVID um, and are still wrestling with COVID. It's been a great experience. I've had a chance to get to know the students, the faculty, the uh, alumni, uh, some of the parents, and uh, many of the uh, corporate supporters, as well as uh, those prospective corporate supporters who are interested uh, in in uh, North Carolina Central University and, and its students in the School of Business. Yeah, it seems like you've pretty much had an interest with business and stuff of that nature. What led you to having a deep interest with business as a whole? Well, my, my first exposure to business was with my uh, grandmother who owned a funeral home and uh, was very successful. She also uh, owned homes uh, as well as uh, other uh, business ventures. My great aunt, her sister, owned a gasoline station as well as a hotel and uh, also owned homes. Um, and my great uncle, uh, as well as another one of uh, my great aunts, um, owned businesses. So I was exposed to businesses um, uh, through them and through those that exposure, I knew that you know I just had a knack for it, and I also um, had an inclination to to um, uh, venture into that area. So then, um, you know, I I started with my paper route, and um, I grew up in Massachusetts on the uh, Boston side of Cape Cod. On uh, spent some time on Otis Air Force Base. My dad was in the military, and and they had daily bulletins. Um, so I, I used to walk around the base, um, or that particular part of the base uh, where I lived, uh, delivering daily bulletins at a very young age. And um, then I used to walk walk the streets um, in Charleston, South Carolina, where I uh, moved to when my dad retired out of the military. Uh, I used to walk um, the streets and highways looking for work and and would go to gas stations and uh, they would ask me to paint uh, their uh, cement uh, columns or their their, uh, barriers around the the um, gasoline pumps. Uh, they, I would just do odds and ends. I worked at a restaurant, uh, bussing tables and washing dishes. Uh, just wanted to have some money in my pocket. So I always had a, an affinity towards business and, and marketing. Oh, okay. Well, dang, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And it's cool to have like an extensive like family in regards to business. I know even myself, I think we've had a conversation about, I think my grandfather having uh, going into taxi and taxi cabs and stuff. And a lot of people from the Liberian community going into taxi cabs and how like it kind of led me to wanting to pretty much learn more about business myself due to the issues and the blemishes in regards to how they set up their organization Mm -hmm. and the stuff of that nature. So it's like, I kind of saw it as my calling to kind of just correct a couple 
couple things so that we can be, be able to bring a couple profit. But it's crazy how family can pretty much do it for us in terms of just really motivating us to really just kind of walking forward um, to focus on business as a whole. And that's always something that intrigued me myself as a, as a future businessman myself. Um, but it's like, uh, might I ask you, it's just like involved uh, in, in regards to uh, growing up. I know, I think, weren't you like a military baby, I regard? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. I was a, a military brat, as they say, my brother and I. Uh, my dad spent 20 years in the Air Force. Uh, he uh, was a mechanic, um, very good one. He not only uh, was a mechanic in the Air Force, but when he retired, he still uh, stayed with that trade and, uh, and uh, taught my brother and I a little bit about um, uh, automotive mechanics, but yeah, we, we traveled around, uh, spent, uh, time in Germany, about three years over in Germany, uh, time in, in, uh, as I indicated in Charleston, South Carolina, and also Massachusetts. So, uh, it was a great, uh, great, uh, experience growing up as a military brat and, uh, loved every moment of it. Would you say that I know that like when it comes to having parents that are pretty much, a uh pretty much uh, involved in the military. I didn't have parents involved in the military. What I've heard, they had a very kind of, I don't want to say they're strict, mm -hmm. but maybe there's certain disciplines that they kind of bestowed upon their children. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's those same disciplines kind of motivate you to become like successful too in regards to getting your education and also um, going into business uh, yourself? Yeah, well, I wouldn't stereotype all military families and all military kids, um, but the military does have a sense of order a sense of organization and a sense of discipline. Um, you know, you if you're going to live on base or even off base, you you have to keep your house in order and keep it neat. Uh, there will be an inspection on base. Um, you know, my mother and father were very uh, um, time conscious, so uh, you know there was a time for everything. And uh, you always, she, my mother was very very. Um, uh, time conscious and she would make sure that we were early uh, for events as opposed to on on time um, but uh, yeah the military de definitely had its benefits um, my mother and father were definitely not strict um, uh, I guess nowadays it might be they may be may have maybe seen as being strict but they were you know very um, how can I say very um, warm, and uh, they certainly made sure that we were exposed to a lot of things, um, you know, in sports and and and, and other events. Uh, so we we got a fairly well-rounded uh, upbringing, and and uh, so they they certainly weren't, you know, like like. Uh, uh, you know, emperors and empresses and, and make, cracking the whip on us, but they, they were definitely um, very uh, nice to my brother and I and certainly gave us a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. Oh, cool. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, I know, like, as you pretty much, literally, you're, like, one of the few deans, black, like, male deans I've actually met in my life. So it's just like, you know, I hope to one day, get my doctorates myself one day, you know, manifesting it <laughs> and whatnot. I just wanted to know, it's just like when it comes to like, you know, like what really led you to wanting to like seek to get your doctorates and also how the difficulties that you had to pretty much deal with in regards to like trying to earn your doctorates too. I'd like to learn more about that also. Yeah, well, I, 
first of all wanted to get my doctorate because I spoke to one of my old professors at North Carolina A&T, Dr. Daniel Pogue, and he said, well, um, have you thought about getting a doctorate? And I said, well, no, I was thinking about getting another master's degree. And he said, well, why get another master's degree? You don't want to fly um, uh, parallel to the ground. You want to fly perpendicular to the ground like a, a rocket ship. You want to go up um, and you know, continue to climb uh, with an additional, um, with a higher degree. So, um, and then I talked to an old professor at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, Dr. Gerald May, and he said the same thing. And he even said, well, you know, we have a doctorate in your field, um, which was uh, management information systems. So he said, you should, you should think about um, coming back here and getting your, your doctorate. So I did. I, I, I went back to the University of Pittsburgh and, and pursued my doctorate. Um, prior to going back, I spoke to uh, another mentor, uh, Clarence Curry, who was also at the University of Pittsburgh, and he said, okay, when you apply for your doctorate at the University of Pittsburgh, make sure that you tell them that you want to do research. And I said, well, okay, but I, I really want to do consulting. He said, no, you want to do research. And I, and I said, well, <laughs> what do you mean? He said, look, when you're getting a doctorate degree, it's all about reading and understanding and learning about the, a body of knowledge. Whatever body of knowledge it is that you're interested in, you want to learn about that body of knowledge. My body of knowledge, um, the, the, the body of knowledge that I was interested in was management information systems. And he said, you know, focus on learning about that body of knowledge and then expanding the body of knowledge. So in doing, that's all research is, is is it's it's reading all the articles that have been written the books that have been written about a particular subject and then once you read um, that material digest it um, synthesize it then it's about finding out where the holes are and what hasn't been um, uh, discussed or or uh, researched and then you say, well, you know what? I can add to this body of knowledge by conducting this research, by interviewing these people, by collecting this data, um, and then reporting on it, writing it up in a uh, journal article or an article and getting it published in a journal uh, or writing a book. But, but you want to expand the body of knowledge so that people will um, say, wow, you know, I learned something by reading uh, this uh, material uh, that um, this person wrote. So you want to make sure that you are interested in research when you get a doctorate degree or before you get a doctorate degree, because that's what getting a doctorate is all about, especially a doctorate in business. You're, you're either trying to expand the body of knowledge, a certain body of knowledge in accounting or marketing or finance or information systems, um, supply chain, but whatever. And, and there are so many problems out there that need to be solved. And there, there's so much to write about and, and, and conduct research on and really expand people's knowledge in a certain area. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's actually, that's a very, very clear, very uh, deep answer you gave to that question and everything. I felt like you touched a whole lot in regards to even receiving uh, your doctorates and everything, but, like, they didn't really speak too much about the struggles, per mm-hmm. se. Like, you know, because I know we all, as black yeah. men in America, there's always something, some kind of barrier that we all have to face, something that's just societal, mm-hmm. whether, or, you know, even in education or whatever that we just have to face. I know you actually went to, like, a HBCU to get your doctorate, right, though, right? Right, right? But I know that for sure. Like, no, no, no. I went to A&T to get my undergraduate degree and then to University of Pittsburgh, which is a TWI, um, traditionally white institution to get my doctorate. But, you know, in terms of struggles, um, I didn't have any, you know, extremely difficult struggles. I remember talking to a guy yesterday and uh, he said, oh, yeah, um, you know, you, you had a pretty cool upbringing, but, you know, I struggled. You know, my dad was in prison and mm-hmm. I, you know, had, uh, had a single mom um, you know, raising me. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we had a rough time. So my struggles were definitely not like that. Um, my struggles, you know, were financial. I mean, you know, getting a doctorate degree, you're not making a whole lot of money. Um, so you got to cut back on expenses. So that was a struggle, but it was worth, um, you know, the doctorate was worth the struggle. I did save up money because um, I've worked in uh, corporate mm-hmm. and saved up my money and then went back to get the doctorate. But, we, you know, you're talking about... A drastic cut in in income when you go you go from corporate to to a, a doctoral program where you're you know making like four hundred dollars a month in the doctoral program um, and you know you made uh, I made ooh, way over that amount at, in corporate so financially I I struggled somewhat um, the other struggle as as an African American getting a doctorate degree had to do with just making sure that uh, professors and other students um, took me seriously, uh, you know, because there weren't that many African Americans trying to get a doctorate degree um, when I was going through the University of Pittsburgh. And, and um, again, you, 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 I had to prove myself, um, prove that I was, you know, definitely serious about getting the doctorate and uh, definitely serious about my my coursework and definitely serious about the projects that I that I worked on and on a number of occasions I had to you know kind of um, get somewhat uh, forceful and uh, let individuals know uh, that you know my my views were uh, worth considering and you instead of changing the uh, approach without um, uh, talking about my views was unacceptable. I mean, if you're going to change the approach after, you know, uh, we've, you know, I've voiced my opinion um, and I told you why, then you need to tell me why your approach is better. So let's, let's talk about, you know, which approach is better and then we'll make a decision. And once we do that, you know, I'm fine, but just don't discount my approach um, because of the color of my skin or, or whatever. But uh, on, on a few occasions, you know, I had to make sure that um, we fully discussed um, uh, the different approaches and then uh, came to a conclusion based on the discussion, um, which, um, you know, you, you, you measure or you consider everybody's merit 
Um, and, and everybody has an opinion, but you must back your opinion up with, with good, solid facts and uh, justification, and then you can choose which, um, which direction you're going to go in. It's wonderful that you even mentioned uh, stuff in regards to directions and stuff of that nature. I know for a lot of young black males, there's not really a whole lot of us in college. Even at NCCU, it's predominantly women, like mm-hmm. with the population being 80% to 20% males, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. to males like, oh, yeah, wonderful. But it's mm-hmm. like at the same time, it's still pretty saddening to realize that not so many uh, black Americans are just, just black folk in general, um, especially on the male side of the spectrum, aren't considering going to school after high school. Mm-hmm. And everything, so it's just like you know. Even I was on, I was talking to some other guy on the car that had to drop me off on campus today, and everything. We were talking. It's just like you know. It's like you know, for you to even be graduating, it's, it's a very, very big deal. And it's like, yeah, I understand. Like, yeah, it is a pretty big deal. But it's like at the same time, at the same hand, it shouldn't be like it's a big deal, but it shouldn't be such a rarity at the mm-hmm. same time. You know, I feel like uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, some of my peers uh, that are males that it's just like that are very capable. And that probably could have made it well in college and everything. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends, I know a lot of people like out of high school just kind of gave up on it and just said, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, really sad. Uh, I just want to know, like, what was your stance in regards to the situation of the lack of, you know, uh, black males actually yearning to actually get their education and stuff of that nature? Well, you know, it's a very complex um, issue. Uh, it, it, it certainly is one that a lot of people have, have looked into. So, the, you know, the first question I have is, okay, why, um, what, what is the environment like? Um, uh, because it used to be that uh, black males or, or men uh, in particular dominated ed- the education, um, the educational environment. They dominated higher ed. Um, and even the K through 12 um, uh, system, you know, you, I remember most of my teachers were were men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I went through through um, uh, K through 12, and uh, but now, you know, it's mostly women who are getting their um, degrees in in um, education, um, to, and that's not, you know, to to say that. Um, you know anything disparagingly about about women getting their uh, degrees, but it 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 does beg the question: Why are men not you know getting their um, uh, higher education degrees? So when you look at uh, the environment, um, you know many the, the corporate environment. And uh, many of the uh, this knowledge economy that we're in, it's a different type of work um, than you know back in the day. Back in the day, it was you know your um, construction, plumbing, electrical, uh, automotive, um, and so you had to be you know kind of strong and capable and and. But now it's a knowledge economy. It's where you know it's an information economy. You gotta um, you know communicate. You gotta talk. You gotta uh, get the information. You gotta um, uh, talk about the information, synthesize the information. You gotta be able to multitask. You gotta be able to do this. You gotta be able to do that. And and you know, quite frankly, that that lends itself more towards females who are. More social, um, more uh, 
better able to multitask. Um, so again, I don't want to be stereotypical, but you know, when when you um, uh, look at the the um, the socialization, you know, you, you find that. Uh, you know, young girls, you'll, you'll see them out there and they're, they're, they're talking, they're sitting around talking. Guys are, you know, running after each other, the little guys I'm talking about, they're running after each other and, or playing basketball or playing, you know, something, um, uh, whatever, and, um, and doing less, you know, talking, <laughs> they're, doing, they're yelling and screaming. But, yeah, so the, I guess my point is, um, the the environment has changed. The work environment has changed, and um, also higher ed has has changed. So the African American male um, is, you know, partly out there, um, you know, selling drugs or or you know, uh, going to jail. I mean, we um, are uh, have an over representation in in the prison system. Uh, so you know the. That's unfortunate. Um, and then when you look at the, the prison system, those who are in prison and then those who don't go to college um, but are, uh, quote, unquote, unemployable um, and not really uh, doing anything, uh, you know, you've, you've got, that's the majority of the, the black males, um, unfortunately. And so we've got to do something about that. Um, you know, because there is a workforce shortage now, and that workforce shortage could be um, could be addressed by just not sending so many black males to prison <laughs> and 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 uh, employing them in in the restaurants and hotels and and all the other industries that are lacking um, employees. So you know, it's there there is a um, a scarcity of um, black men in the workforce uh, in higher ed um, and you know everyone is not everyone but many individuals are wrestling with that that dilemma of how do we get more black males um, involved uh, in uh, higher ed as well as in in the uh, workforce so yeah, if whoever comes up with the solution to that um, is going to be a rich person, but I think it's going to take um, a lot of um, singular events and um, a lot of a lot of different people uh, affecting um, uh, smaller groups of of black males as opposed to just this holistic. Okay, I'm I'm going to solve all the problems of black males in the United States of America. That, that's not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen. And plus, you got to consider a whole lot of reform in regards to a lot of the things that kind of like aggravate that in the system. I know like even in the media, a lot of us are portrayed as being, you know, I want to say thugs or whatever, but we are, it seems that we're more drawn to the image of us having a whole lot of fast money due to like breaking the law and, you know, and stuff of that nature. You know, we have shows like Power, BMF and everything like that, which are very popular in pop culture. And, you know, I haven't really watched it and everything mm -hmm. because I feel like it's just too much. Maybe they could touch on every trend and 
stuff of that nature. So it's just like, but it, it does really dawn to me that, you know, like we seem to champion that image of just like the, the black male that beats the system by breaking laws and like be being a thug or trying to repurpose all that money to the community. Mm-hmm. When we should champion images of, of black men, especially, you know, graduating, starting their own businesses, whatever, working in the community instead of competing against each other. You know, a lot of those are very counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So unless we can kind of like uh, reform to the degree where it's like, you know, we can see a black man teaching a class more mm-hmm. often and it wouldn't be like, oh, like that's weird. Or maybe we can see like a, a black man being more, uh, more, uh, more focused on his community and stuff and building a more uh, partying and stuff of that from time to time. Token, I feel like in terms of a lot of our priority lack, mm-hmm. and I feel it comes down to how the mean, how mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, presence within as it is too. A lot of us, even as like, you know, like my horse and stuff of that token, you kind of in yourself. So mm-hmm. it's just things I'm more used to each other or putting my knees to the side, like, you know, focus on like trying to focus on my mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Time to really focus on my as an individual to, like, you know, and be, you know, stepping mm-hmm. and uh, so mm-hmm. socializing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's good that we speak on this matter and everything, Wall Street, stuff, and a lot of those topics. It's like, you know, uh, 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 on just a couple things that needs to be done. Not in a sense, right? we pretty much touched on that. Just terms of just like, what little steps do you feel like, like trying to introduce? Make college seem the party life is pretty cool. Same time, just to kind of, what's something that we need to do others want to, like, get into college and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the number one uh, area that I would focus on in getting individuals into college is purpose. Uh, having a sense of purpose, being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, before anyone goes down a tunnel, it's sort of like, okay, well, what's on the other side of that tunnel? You know, if I go through this tunnel, what, 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 what am I going to be faced with? So I think that giving individuals a sense of purpose is, is extremely important. Uh, I When I went to college, I didn't I thought I wanted to be an engineer, an uh, architectural engineer, because I like drawing. I had a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, I like drawing. I want to be an architectural engineer. I want to draw planes. I want to draw houses. I want to draw uh, uh, boats. I want to draw buildings. I just want to draw. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up changing my purpose, but still I had you know, a purpose. I switched over to business because I had that knack and inclination for, for business um, and and still stayed with the technical side of business uh, and, and used some, many of the credits from my architectural engineering um, courses. So having a sense of purpose is, is extremely important. Uh, going to, let's say, for example, uh, high school and, and exposing um, students to uh, wealth management and saying, okay, well, are you aware, asking them if they are aware of careers in wealth management and then exposing them to those careers and helping them to understand what wealth management is all about. And, and then... Uh, telling them, okay, well, if you go to college, you can major in, if you go to North Carolina Central University, for example, in the School of Business there, you can uh, concentrate in personal finance. Then you can get a master's degree in wealth management. Or uh, entrepreneurship. 
so if you want to start your own business, you can come to North Carolina Central University and, and concentrate in uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, or if, if you want to do accounting or marketing, but it's, it's about exposing students, uh, high school students and middle school students to those different areas first, and then they will develop a, a sense of purpose and say, yeah, that's what I definitely want to do, or no, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do that. Um, but when you have uh, individuals who don't really have that sense of purpose, have not heard about different opportunities, have not been exposed to different careers, have not, they're, they're not aware of the various uh, fields or industries that are out there, then it becomes, um, you know, okay, well, what have I been exposed to? Oh, I played video games. Okay, you play video games. Well, <laughs> all right, are you going to get a job uh, playing video games? Well, no. Um, okay, I watched, you know, basketball games, NBA. Uh, Am I going to be able to make it to the NBA? Uh, probably not. Um, chances are, are slim to none. Uh, football, you know, am I going to be able to do that? Well, chances are, you know, slim to none to make it to the NFL but and, and have a career in football. But it's a matter of what they have been exposed to. So the number one, I think, uh, uh, difference maker is in giving – individuals a sense of purpose so that they can dream and uh, visualize and plan uh, to achieve that purpose in their life. And uh, that all comes through exposure. The more you expose individuals to, the better off they will be. Even when after you come to college, there are so many different areas that you can be exposed to if you take the initiative. Um, you know, we have companies coming through here all the time, uh, Dell and uh, Walker and Dunlop and McDonald's and, and so many real estate firms, so many technology firms, automotive firms. Uh, so, you know, you, you don't have to have an interest in any of those, but, but at least entertain them, find out how they, uh, how those African-American men and women made it to their um, particular positions and what they went through. But just find, get, get expose, exposure to different areas and then you can, you know, make a decision, whether it's sports management or uh, marketing or automotive, or, you know, hotel, restaurants, real estate, whatever you want to do. There's so much out here. The good news about being in America is that you have a lot of choices. The bad news is you got a lot of choices. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you get exposure, you check it out, uh, check them out, and then you, you choose, you know, the area that you want to focus in. And, and the great news is you can choose more than one. And uh, do one for a little while and then do another one uh, after that uh, so you can switch up. 
And that's what's wonderful about business because you can really go anywhere and do pretty much anything. Not anything, anything, but it's just like, you know, if you wanted to probably uh, start up a barber shop, you know, or you just wanted to just possibly just want to open like a tattoo shop or it could be anything within your interest, maybe a boutique mm-hmm. or however, however you want to do so. The fact of the matter is if you have interest in anything outside of just school also, you can pretty much intertwine like business as a whole mm-hmm. and that interest, you know. You, I know you mentioned something about video games. Video games is a very lucrative business now, although, you know, I've kind of gotten older, so it's like, you know, finding mm-hmm. time to video games, is like, there's no time and everything. But it's like, there's such an interest in video games nowadays. It's like, you know, now you have consoles that are just overly expensive. People will make that investment mm-hmm. just because of the connections they can make off of it. There's always opportunity for business to be made off that. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, in a sense, maybe you can probably start a club or something like that, or maybe a pub based on video games. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a bar or something like that since a lot of people are getting older maybe they can like go over and like socialize at that pub and everything that's a business right there based on socializing a problem they play video games don't step out a whole lot now you made a place for them to socialize and play video games at the same time you know it's just as long as there's always a problem there's always something to profit off that problem and i feel like that's one of the wonderful things about business as a whole oh hold up excuse me <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry, just like thing was going on. Oh, excuse me, one second. All right, and uh, to wrap this up, because I know we got to bounce in a little bit. Uh, I just want to know uh, if you got any more like advice for anybody who has like uh, t- like uh, a drive to wanted to get their uh, doctorates and stuff of that nature. Just going into business as a whole, what, what would be your advice to them? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're planning on getting your doctorate, or if you you know want to do that, make sure that you do your homework. Um, find out. Um, specifically um, what you want to do. So make sure that you determine what you want to focus on. What do you want to become the world's leading expert in? So if you could choose to become an expert, the world's leading expert, what would you want to, uh, what would it be? Uh, What would be that area? Uh, You know, George Washington Carver, he chose, uh, you know, the peanut. I mean, he became a world's leading expert in the peanut, uh, one peanut. Um, so what do you want to be an expert in? Uh, what do you want to be the most knowledgeable person about? And then once you choose that area, look at different universities and find out which universities are leading in that area. Uh, because if you want to become the world's leading expert, you need to go to the world's leading university that can teach you about that particular topic. Uh, And you need to select other researchers or researchers and faculty members who are uh, extremely knowledgeable in that area. So you can, you know, go online, you can uh, do, do your um, research on on that topic and find out, okay, well, who's writing about that topic? Once you find out who's writing about that topic, you find out where, where okay, where are they? Oh, they're at the University of South Florida. No, okay, they're, they're at, um, they're, they're, they're at uh, Notre Dame or they're, they're here. So if the um, world's leading experts are at a particular university, then that's where you want to go. Um, you, you don't want to just choose a university because of its of its name or whatever, you want to choose the university based upon the 
researchers who were there on that particular topic. And then you go there and you hold on to their coattail and you, you say, all right, when, you know, you're teaching me now, but when you move on, when you retire, um, I'm going to become the world's leading expert. You're the world's leading expert now, but I want you to mentor me and, and um, you know, so that I can be the world's leading expert when you, when you step down. So uh, many individuals want, uh, I should say some, Individuals want to get their their degree just to have the letters behind their name, uh, but you know if if you really want to get a doctorate degree, you really you should be focused on a particular area of of research, and then you can also teach others um, as you have been taught. So that would be my one piece of advice, when, when, once you find that area, your focus area, and once you find the place where you want to study, the rest comes natural because if that's your passion, yeah, not too much is going to really bother you. Um, uh, but if you're getting the doctorate for the wrong reason and you choose the area, you don't even know what area you want and you're just kind of meandering through, you know, that to me is is sad because you're not really focused and you're just kind of doing things for the wrong reason. So that would be my piece of advice. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Anthony Nelson. This is the 50th episode. I cannot believe I actually made it to 50 episodes. Like I really started this back in April. I guess it's just one of those things in life. It's just like ah, I'm not trying to be bragging, trying to pat myself on the back too much. But it's just, it's just one of those things. It's just like you know, at first I saw I started this in April, and you think like you know, I'm gonna see where this takes me and everything. I didn't think it would be such a big part of my life, not like a huge, huge part, but just like a part of my life where it's just like you know, now I have goals, and I was like. Like it's starting to be realized and yeah. that it's like, you know, it just goes to show just for anyone that's listening that wherever you start, all you have to do is just take that first step and then you never know where you're going to head it. One point in high school, I wasn't doing very good, didn't really care too much about school, ended up being an honor roll student. You know, every time I think about like, wow, I actually have the dean of the business school on my references mm -hmm. favor and everything to speak well of you. You know, it's just it's one of those things, you know, this is very celebratory. I hope to do many things uh, maybe to celebrate or whatever. And I want to like to thank Dr. Anthony Nelson for stepping on on the 50th episode of the Mental Thirds podcast. Thank you very much, sir. All right. You're welcome. And uh, congratulations on your podcast and, and uh, all the best to you. Uh, and, and, and great. Uh, I'm sure that you're going to do extremely well. Thank you very much again, Dr. Anthony Nelson. That is it for the Mental Threats podcast. We sewing in and now we're sewing out. Thank you very much. <laughs>